Welcome to Econa Day Unplugged. Today is Tuesday, September 19th, 2017. With me today are Mark Pender in the U.S. and Jeremy Hawkins in the U.K. I am Ann Picker, Econa Day's Chief Economist. Jeremy, you have a full plate for a change. The German election is Sunday with Angela Merkel expected to win another term. And then, of course, there is the whole situation with the Bank of England, who last week indicated that there may be an interest rate increase in the UK's future. Indeed. Um, I suppose we should kick off the politics, really, because markets are certainly very complacent about uh, what's going to happen on, when, on, um, on Wednesday, on Sunday, as you said, when we get the next German federal elections. So it's certainly on the basis of what the opinion polls are saying at the moment. And it's up to you as to whether or not you want to believe, though. It does look as if Angela Merkel will get a fourth successive term. Things to bear in mind, though, is it's still very unlikely that she'd actually get an outright majority. Um, for our own party and our sister party, the CSU, which means, of course, that we're probably going to have to end up in some kind of form of coalition government. Now, I think the way the markets are assuming things at the moment, uh, they're pretty well going with the idea we'll simply get more of the same. So a repeat of the existing coalition of the Merkel conservative side joining in with the Social Democrats. However, it's possible that if we see some of the smaller parties performing well, particularly the Free Democrats, then the SDP could be sort of exempted from the coalition duty altogether. Now, I think, you know, why is that important? Well, the things to watch here, particularly going to be the, impo- the important things are going to watch are going to be the performances of some of the smaller parties. Notably, since although the you know, concerns about populism across Europe are nothing like they were, if we go back to the beginning of the year and the likes of the Dutch elections, there are still some issues um, there, there or thereabouts. So how well the FDP de- performed today, um, this is the right wing um, National Front Party or was very close to National Front Party in Germany. If they perform particularly well, then that certainly could be a bit of a negative as far as the euro is concerned. Also, if we do see some of the smaller parties going into coalition um, with Angela Merkel, it may also have some implications for what's going to happen in terms of European integration. I think if we assume that Merkel does indeed win on Sunday, as seems very probable, then investors are going to be looking quite quickly at to what extent the new administration is going to be prepared to support French President Emmanuel Macron's push for greater Eurozone integration. And of course, Macron is calling for well, a separate budget and also a new finance ministry, as well as a whole new European monetary fund for the Eurozone. And by and large, most of the German contingent are still very wary about that. If we were to see the so-called Grand Coalition, so the SPD joined forces with Angela Merkel, that may make a move towards greater integration that much more likely, which could actually be quite good, good news as far as the Euro is concerned. But if we see the um, SDP ex- excluded and uh, we see the smaller parties going in with Angela Merkel, that's probably going to slow the whole process down. So however you want to look at it, it's probably going to take some while before we see what the new coalition looks like. Indeed, if we go back to, what, 2013, it took, what, 86 days, if I remember rightly, for the new government to be formed. So even once we get past Sunday, even the market gets the polls pretty well right, you know, there still be, could be some while to go before we know the final result. Um, more up to date, um, Bank of England then, as you mentioned, some interesting comments coming out of last week's MPC meeting. There were no surprises in the vote. 
in the 7-2 vote in favour, no change in interest rates, with the two main hawks, McCafferty and Saunders, again wanting a 25 basis point hike. But was not expected was the, well, surprisingly hawkish statement we had from the bank, which to all intents and purposes suggested that the first interest rate hike will be delivered sooner than markets are anticipating. Well, that's not you because they've, they've been saying that for a while now. But they also intimated it could come quite soon, which was a surprise. So we've seen financial markets starting to adjust a little bit to that. It's also induced a sizable rally in the pound, which against the dollar is back up to its best levels now since before the Brexit vote last year. And certainly markets now looking at much more confidently at, at the UK pound itself. That said, um, last week's labour market report still showed that domestically generated price pressures by the wages market remain extremely low. So hard to justify an increase in rates on that basis. But it also means, as far as this week's concerned, that on Wednesday, when we get the retail sales report for August, that should be watched closely. If we were to see strength in there, that's going to increase the likelihood the bank will feel that much more happy about raising interest rates. One other thing before I quickly finish off on Europe, I should mention with regard of the Swiss National Bank. There was no change from them as expected last week, but they did change their statement language. They've been talking about a significantly overvalued uh, Swiss franc for, well, for some considerable while now. Last week, they actually changed that to highly valued. It's not a great change by any means, but it does suggest that perhaps they're not quite so worried now about the level of a Swissy. As I speak, Euro Swissy is trading, what, round about 115, so just five cents below um, its 120 old lower target level that the SMB used to work with. So it may be that the SMB is getting a little bit more happy with now with the way the foreign exchange markets are working. There's another election scheduled for this weekend, one that hasn't been too... Uh, much in the fr- the media's eyesight, and that's in New in- New Zealand on September 23rd. At the moment, the election is too close to call. But should the opposition Labour Party be elected, changes are in store for the Reserve Bank of New New Zealand. The RBNZ was one of the first central banks to adopt inflation targeting. Its current inflation target is a range between 1% and 3%, with the latest inflation reading for the second quarter at 1.7%. The governor is Graham Wheeler, and unlike other central banks, and this is important, he has the sole authority to set the bank's policy interest rate, the overnight cash rate, at its policy announcements. Should the opposition party win, it said the bank would add a monetary policy committee and publish minutes going forward, just like other central banks. And the current just part- question on that. Huh? So I could ask you a quick question on that. In terms of this possible MPC, do we know what sort of shape it might take? For example, in the UK, we've got um, you know, a number of, in, of domestic internal bank members complemented by four external members. Would it be the same sort of shape in New Zealand? They're not that far. Okay. They haven't. They haven't. All they've said is they want a committee. They didn't say how it would be structured. Um. The current party, the National Party, would maintain the status quo. 
The main opposition party has also campaigned on a platform that includes more expansionary fiscal policies, but more restrictive immigration measures as a tonic for poor housing affordability. A win here is priced in by the markets as a very big disadvantage. The current prime minister and his national party are promising more of the same, tax cuts and high investment in infrastructure. The National Party, during its term in office, has returned the budget to a surplus after the financial crisis and a devastating earthquake in Christchurch, which may explain the high investment in infrastructure. Uh, both parties plan to increase spending while keeping the, the budget in, in a surplus, but Labor would spend more particularly on health and education, and borrow to do so. The next meeting of the RBNZ is September 28th, local time. Mark, moving right along. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, it's a big week. We have the Federal Reserve tomorrow, where it's, uh, it looks pretty much... Uh, if not a foregone conclusion, a very strong likelihood that they're going to begin their balance sheet unwinding, uh, that is letting roll off uh, $2.5 trillion in treasuries, well, the beginning of a portion of that, as well as $1.8 trillion in, in uh, mortgage-backed securities. What really has changed, you know, we have, there's a lot of uncertainty here. We have the hurricanes, of course, and they're already starting to impact economic data. We're seeing it uh, this week. This is Tuesday. We saw housing starts and permits. They're showing um, significant uh, uh, effects uh, in the, the South. And we also saw, have uh, import and export prices where we saw on the import side, um, a pickup in um, petroleum prices, imported petroleum prices, which uh, very, very likely reflect um, the end of the month uh, upturn in uh, energy prices. Now, um, the big key that has shifted everything was last week's uh, consumer price report. And the specific reading in that was the core, which is the less food and energy reading. Now, it only rose 0.2%, but this has been a very, very flat last six months, very, very flat. And this is actually a very good reading, and it almost rounded up to 0.3%. And if you look at the charts, you can see that uh, the prices now have um, stabilized. This is the core rate that in March produced a, a very, very rare, once in 20 years, uh, decline. That at that time was tied um, largely in that month to a big drop in um, prices for wireless uh, services. There are still dropping wireless services, but other prices are coming up. We saw um, rents rise in August, which was a very uh, positive, and we saw uh, a, a wide variety of service prices from physician services to transportation services, um, all starting to show a little bit of a lift. And this is kind of a fundamental um, improvement that will allow the Fed to uh, stick to what it really uh, has been uh, aiming at, and which it announced at the June FOMC, uh, told everybody exactly what it was going to do. And this is this glacial um, 
uh, unwinding, uh, uh, letting um, their oh, their holdings expire, not reinvesting them at a, a very, very gradual period uh, uh, process at first, and then gradually picking up speed. It looks like it'll be over uh, the next several, uh, three or four years. We'll probably get more details on that at tomorrow's meeting. <clears throat> the other side, excuse me, the other side for um, Fed policy is a rate hike. Uh, one is still penciled. One more is still penciled in uh, this year, and the outlook is what would be at the December meeting. Given that inflation is still very weak, and the economy is is uh, the employment uh, side of the economy is very strong, but growth is is okay. And, but we have these hurricane effects. There's really not a lot of uh, urgency to raise rates, and the expectations for a rate hike in December they're not they're not that high. Um, and maybe we'll get a little bit more details on, on what we can expect for that. But the big news this week is going to be the beginning of um, this unwinding and what it's going to do into the financial markets. Now, it's certainly not going to be a surprise to the financial markets, but it's uh, for the bond market, it's really this is uh, uncharted ground, so we're not really sure what is going to happen. It's what it really fundamentally means is less demand for treasuries and and significantly Less comparatively, uh, less demand for mortgage-backed securities, which is, of course, um, uh, part of the housing sector, which is a very sensitive uh, area. And we and the housing sector right now, just on uh, an aside, is really having kind of a difficult up and down year. It really hasn't uh, gained the traction that it really needs to. And part of that, you were talking about housing affordability in New Zealand. Well, housing affordability here is uh, is very difficult, especially for. For um, first-time buyers, prices are very high, and there's not a lot of selection of, of homes to choose from. So it'll be interesting to see, and the out and the effects are unknown, and uh, it'll uh, uh, it'll all start probably unfolding tomorrow. Mark, can I ask you a question about the forecast? Sure. I think because sure. this is this is around we get the updated forecast. The FOMC, it? yeah, the FOMC will update their um, their economic forecasts. Mm-hmm. Any big changes and any implications for policy Prob- out of those? I'm not sure about the policy. I think what we can probably anticipate is uh, um, maybe on the margin a lowering in uh, growth and uh, and inflation, um, but uh, it will probably be out. Uh, you know, in, in, in the years, you know, uh, it's a th- three-year forecast. So we may see like one-tenth shaved here, one-tenth shaved there. Um, I'm not sure it's going to be a super significant thing. We also have uh, Janet Yellen's press conference, uh, which will be uh, tomorrow, and that should be also very interesting. Now, we also have another meeting um, in between the September and the December meetings, but that is not going to have the FOMC forecast, and it's not going to have the Janet Yellen press conference. And that's uh, looking ahead. That's what uh, makes the December meeting um, kind of a focus on, on on what we see tomorrow. Thank you, guys. To be continued next week.